Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, a new podcast from Campaign US where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and my guest this week is Glenn Hartman, president of Accenture Interactive North America. Accenture Interactive has been at the forefront of the trend of consulting firms wading deeper into traditional agency territory. Over the past few years, it's acquired storied creative agencies such as Droga 5, design agency Fjord, and regional agencies including Karmarama and the Monkees. With a focus on customer experience, Accenture Interactive claims it's on a different playing field than agency holding companies. But the company will have to work on keeping that differentiator strong as the world of creativity, branding, experience, and media collide. Hey, Glenn, how's it going? Hey, Allison. It's going great. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming on the show. So Accenture Interactive had a pretty good quarter last quarter. The agency or consulting group, whatever you guys are calling yourselves these days, has been able to return to growth after a dip during the first few months of the pandemic. And on Accenture's recent earnings call, Accenture Interactive was called out for seeing hotter demand than expected from clients. Talk to me about what's what's going on in the business and what clients are looking for from you guys. Yeah, sure. It's been really, really exciting for us to see this kind of growth in Accenture Interactive. And a lot of it is, um, you know, just the fact that I think, you know, it's sad because COVID um, is here and a big part of our lives. Um, but what that's done in, in very tangible ways is accelerated a lot of the new types of engagement that we specialize in uh, for different kinds of experiences. Uh, Accenture Interactive is all about creating the best experiences on the planet to help people improve their lives. And COVID has really increased the adoption of that and and inspired companies to come to us to to help them uh, speed up a lot of those initiatives. And that's really been driving our growth. So is that in areas like e-commerce? Like what are sort of the typical asks that you get? You know, it's really this idea that we've been talking lots about around experience is um, a combination of almost any way a a brand or a company can touch a, a person. Um, and when, Or you could say a customer. But when we talk about customers, it could be any any kind of like a B to B or B to C or B to B to citizen or you know healthcare providers or or um, even um, a business to employees you know the, the way that you look at experience is uh, a little different now so what you do is you think of the entire experience so it has a lot to do with um, every every way a brand can touch that person so it, it, it's part marketing or advertising it's part um, the way companies sell to someone, the way they do customer service, the way they uh, look at loyalty and commerce. Um, it's all uh, merging together and blurring together. And, and that is the, the biggest change that people, um, uh, you know, the C-suite, not just CMOs, but really the full C-suite um, are looking at now. Um, I, I can just give you an example. We, we did a little bit of research uh, based on this, I guess, current and, and post-COVID world. And uh, we have, uh, right now, the research had come back that 95% of consumers have made at least one permanent change in their lifestyle 
since the outbreak of the pandemic. And this corresponds with some earlier research that we've done on uh, the way that we've really been looking at experience, something that we call um, the business of experience, where a whole company changes or reverse engineers around the new demands that have come uh, from customers. And that research about, I don't know, maybe six or eight months ago um, had a correlation because you looked at the uh, the change of customer behavior, uh, we found that 80% of CEOs, again, this is not just CMO or a chief sales officer or something. This is the CEO recognize that they need to fundamentally change the way that they interact with their customers. So right. that, that kind of correlation, you, you're starting to see that blur come into, uh, into, into shape in real programs and in real initiatives. Right, right. The pandemic has definitely sped up all of these transformation initiatives that brands and companies have been talking about, but maybe haven't necessarily started or or put enough um, you know fire behind. But Accenture Interactive has been talking about um, you know the tagline creating the most connected experiences or the best brand experiences on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, since, you know, as long as I've been covering the space and probably much longer than that. But it seems to me that a lot of agencies have taken up the experience type of uh, positioning, whether that's customer experience, customer journey. What is the proposition for an experience agency of record these days? And do you feel like there is more competition from the traditional competitive uh, agency competitive set? Yeah, I mean, you're spot on, Allison. I mean, we're really flattered um, that <laughs> others are, are coming and using, um, you know, similar terminology and, and, and disgusting experience. Um, where we found that we have the biggest differentiation now is the evolution of experience. If you think maybe, I don't know, six, five, six years ago, it was a lot of people were talking about UX, user experience, or maybe the experience of a, of a mobile app or a website or, or even, you know, in-store in experiences, different kinds of ways. Again, usually associated with channels of some sort and optimizing those experiences through each channel. And that became, and I'd say even all the way up to now, uh, a, a big imperative where a lot of companies have called this, you know, customer experience or CX. So you have the evolution of UX to CX and they're saying, well, let's be more holistic. And that's great. And we've had a, a, a wonderful surge and our growth has been a big part of that. And you can see others coming uh, through, but where we are now, the next evolution is this, uh, this term that I mentioned before, which is the business of experience, because we, we do is we look at, a customer experience. And this is a lot of feedback we got direct from clients that there's a challenge with that. It's just not um, sufficient. It's somewhat still superficial because it's a lot of it's based on, on content and copy for each um, channel or maybe by apps or, or even sometimes by function. Is it for sales? Is it for service, customer service? Is it for loyalty? Is it for these kinds of things? And what ends up happening um, is you get the sea of sameness approach across different brands because everyone's using similar approaches. You hear the 360 degree view of the customer. You hear the real time analytics and all these kinds of approaches toward personalization. And what we found is that there is it's an incongruent um, 
challenge in that the internal clock of a company is much, much slower on the way that they're moving toward um, creating experiences compared to the speed and the change of the act of the customers themselves. Mm. So when we talk about the business of experience, we look at it if, if, if maybe customer experience is more, more like a work stream or improving on marketing ROI or something like that. It, or it can sometimes be looked at as superficial, like CX can be more of like the glitter on top versus the business experience is something that is put into the fabric of the entire organization. Um, and it's a new way of thinking um, about working and reverse engineering. And this includes, includes operating models. It includes mm-hmm. structure. It includes culture. It includes um, looking at the at purpose, which I know that's a hot word now. Everyone's talking about purpose. But I mean, putting those kinds of things to really transform how they measure success, um, how you break down silos to be able to deliver experiences where, you know, experience becomes the CEO business imperative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in a way, experience starts to become everybody's business. And that's where we came up with the name itself. I can give you some examples that might bring this to life. Uh, and, and so it's not so theoretical. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and also talk about how, you know, d- how this sort of leans into you being part of Accenture and, and the different areas you can tap into in the organization. Yeah, you know, I, I should just hit upon that because this, one of the things about Accenture Interactive that um, our um, CEO, Julie Sweet, has been talking about uh, publicly on our earnings calls, I think you mentioned that, is that we are driving, and the whole firm is very much um, uh, thinking this way, around um, changing how we measure success. So, of course, Accenture is going to work with our clients to help them do things more efficiently and more effectively and, and to help them sell more things to their, their, their customers, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, we're going to help them drive growth. And we're going to do that by, you know, the best consulting and enabling technology. Yes. But now what we're doing is actually talking to clients about saying that's not enough. We need to measure success beyond just helping our client and we have to have the client focus on that end customer. And remember, that end customer could be B2B, B2C, B2Community, whatever. And really use their definition of what success is. And I, there's a couple of small examples that I can give you, just quick ones um, mm-hmm. on this, 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 this difference. So we had worked with an insurance company, a, a large one for a while, that um, they had a process based on great analytics and the way that they were looking at their business success and business criteria, that anytime customers had three um, claims, they would automatically get a letter to say that they were going to be dropped because the math of it all worked out that it's just too expensive to maintain those. And oftentimes three leads to four leads to five. So, you know, uh, a business uh, KPI or whatever uh, metric you want to use was to be able to, uh, minimize that risk for the firm and focus on uh, customers that had less than. But what we did is help them more from a customer experience perspective, realize that if you could change that dynamic and not send that form letter out, you know what would happen? And could we make it economically uh, um, uh, beneficial to the company to prove that retaining some of those customers because a lot of them were actually their best customers and the longest 
outstanding customers and most loyal customers. So we had put together different models, empathizing with that. And automatically, when that particular subset of that group that we saw as high value future customers to buy new and different services for them, when they had three claims, they would get a note from the CEO or from someone local to them, a leader, saying normally our policy would be X, but because we care about you, we understand your circumstances are different. We want to be with you and on your side. And and are you okay? How can we help? And this changed the whole dynamic of how they measured success. It was a very little thing, just some procedural thing they've been doing for years and years, but they they changed the lens from the view of the customer. It really helped um, them come up with a new way to drive growth and a new segment they really weren't paying attention to before. Interesting. So, that's obviously very much, um, you know, customer experience focused, kind of looking at the processes and reverse engineering, you know, looking at it through a new view. But Accenture Interactive owns a ton of creative agencies as well. You have most notably Droga 5, but also Karmarama, The Monkeys. Um, you know, how, what's your sort of view? What's your vision with this with this collection of agencies that that you've acquired? Do you feel like you need to consolidate any of them? Well, uh, it's a great question. the The thing about creative and brand um, that we're excited about is that we see it as one component of the overall experience. If we think of you know a brand as a set of promises. Uh, to a customer or a consumer uh, of what to expect, uh, what you should believe in and, and, and value or the value of that brand and its attributes. It, that set of promises, we see those promises are delivered through the experience. Mm. So we created this idea of um, a unified brand experience. I'm using the word brand on purpose, which takes brand strategy brand identity, brand creative. Um, these are the things that are driving our Super Bowl commercials that you probably saw um, this past year, uh, like for Huggies brand or um, uh, for uh, Paramount's new streaming service that we were all highlighted at the Super Bowl. Um, the, the reason why I mention this is that um, first, just as a very crisp answer to your question, any time that we acquire any company, they're automatically – um, integrated into the Accenture Interactive model. Our model is different than very different by design from a holding company. Whereas we do want to preserve the culture and the distinct capabilities of a Drogo or Rothko or Kamarama, but we also want them to have the support and ability to scale that Accenture can offer. And we do that by having one PL, it's all integrated. So there's an incentive for them to collaborate. And there's no competition between the creative agencies right out of the gate. And then second, we have um, a way uh, for um, creative sharing and co-creation across the agencies where we have um, all the creative directors come together in a a community. Um, They meet monthly and and also have different, what used to be live events quarterly before COVID, um, to brainstorm on how to get the best of each of the agencies to come together um, uh, to deliver more um, inspiring ideas um, to clients. And this is a whole different approach than the way you look at creative. And it is then spurred by the idea of seeing these experiences and the creative, the emotional content in the creative campaigns be continued throughout the entire experience. And, and I can just give you an, another example of this. 
Um, like for Harley Davidson, for instance, we run all their brand um, campaigns and advertising. And then we also do the execution of all those campaigns driven by analytics and technology and workflow and all the rest. And that's the unified brand experience that gets continued throughout. Now, one of the things that we had learned uh, in the importance of the experience delivering on that brand promise. Um, one, one case that we came across, uh, I'll just use you, you as an example. Um, let's stick with automotives uh, or, or, or something in that category since I was just talking about the great, uh, exciting work at Harley uh, to recreate that, uh, reinvigorate that brand. Uh, but let's just say that you are, I don't know, a, a Ford loyalist. Um, your grandparents had a Ford, your parents had a Ford, and you have one too. And you say you have a lot of emotional connection to that. Um, so maybe your grandparents used to come every Sunday and take you out for brunch, and you kind of remember going in the Ford with them. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, your kid was uh, playing on the soccer field, and she hurt her leg, and you rushed her to the hospital in the Ford and there's some kind of emotional connection, always reliable. There's emotional meaning there. Um, then maybe let's just say it's your daughter is 16 and a half and it's her turn to go get a new car. And you have this whole thing that you work with her. It's going to be like the ceremonial thing and to spend the day together. Um, you configure the car online, you make the appointment to go in. She picked the color and all sorts of different features that she wants. She's all excited. She's going to go get her first car and you are going to make an event out of it. You get there and you're at the dealership. When you arrive, they don't have your car, mm. the one you configured. Um, there's maybe an inexperienced salesperson that tries to push you into a different car. And the whole experience doesn't match your expectations or the connection that you have with the brand. There is really strong evidence, like in the 80 plus percentile, that you will walk off that lot and go buy a Chrysler. Mm. you'll take three generations of brand loyalty and undo it like that. If the experience can't match the brand promise. You know what? It's funny. You brought up that example because the same exact thing happened to my mom recently when she tried to buy a car. Oh, really? <laughs> I won't say the brand, but <laughs> <laughs> um, she did end up going with another brand. So it's just... interesting. Right. And I, and I wasn't saying that happened at Ford when that was a hypothetical, but I'm just using that for any experience that that comes out um that isn't matched and that's the way we're looking at creative and those agencies we're trying to enable not trying we are enabling them to be able to have that experience carry through and that's through every channel and in every uh, way that you can start to anticipate the intent right. and the needs in the moment of what uh, people are looking for so just going back to the the creative piece like when you say, you know, you kind of bring the ECDs together and you sort of, you know, bring these different, you want to preserve the cultures of the agencies, but you also bring them together on behalf of a client. Like, how does that work? Because usually when I talk to holding companies, they, they bring together different disciplines, right? This is bringing together different people from the same discipline. So is it that, you know, once a client hires uh, let's say Droga Five, they get thinking from Karmarama and other places, or is it depend on the client? Like, how does it work? Um, it does depend on the client, but we have a we have a very good process for being able to do that. A lot of it comes together around the client needs, um, and that would be, um, for instance, right now, just as an example, it's kind of tactical, but it does point to how this is real and how it works day to day. Um, a lot of our clients are global. So right now, you know, Droga 5 
were uh, has headquarters in New York City and in London. But we, you know, if it's a global program, which we have lots of them, uh, you know, we need to have the other agencies that are local uh, be able to stand up teams that can emulate and match the same process and the same creative vision for a brand globally. And and we have this now. It's, it's some of our clients are in like 20 plus countries uh, in 16 different languages, and they're working through a whole variety of different things. So that that's just by necessity. That's a good example of how those things would come together and where you could leverage multiple ones. But remember, it's all one P&O. It's all one team. There's no, there's no competition between the, the agencies of saying who made more money. It's actually for the greater good. So right. they will try because, as you know, and every good marketer knows and brand person knows, you want to be able to have some consistent brand vision and a true north that, that is going to be based on what um, is being set from the CMO or, or the CEO. But also you want to have that local flavor um, in each country. So it's relevant, right, uh, mm-hmm. to, to that. So th- th- this is a good example. But the other thing I want to be clear about is it's not so much that we get all the, the creative directors together. We also get the integrated pyramid under them. So the big thing about Accenture Interactive and the reason why we can deliver these experiences that we've been talking about that are much – they're way beyond personalization. This is way – into understanding the intent in the moment and changing the experiences very quickly and dynamically based on that on that intent. And, you know, it, it's something similar to if you're going uh, grocery shopping every Saturday and you have a nice long list and you're picking up your groceries for your family um, and you do that every every week, you know, you, you have different intent and different needs. Maybe you want coupons there. Maybe you want to learn about different items or maybe recipes that you could bring to your family and you could get served up a whole different experience. But if you went to a grocery store, that same grocery store on a Tuesday at 11 and you got pulled out of work because your daughter's sick and you just need to get in and out really quickly and get the Robitussin and get the prescription and, and you and speed is your game, the experience and the way that that brand would act and the messages and the things they would give to you are completely different. Um, you know, you should be able to walk into that store on that Tuesday and have a concierge greet you at the front door with all the items on your shopping list because they know you're there from location data. They can see your shopping list in the app and just mm-hmm. get you out of there as fast as possible. And and that that kind of change, that kind of experience, the way to look at content and creative in that context is what we're talking about. So how does that happen? The way it happens is we have integrated teams that has a strategist sitting next to someone who does um, operating models, sitting next to someone who is the executive creative director at Droga or Karma, um, who is sitting next to a data scientist, who is sitting next to a technology solution architect expert and a workflow specialist. Now, when those teams come together at the very beginning, this is the magic of Accenture Interactive because they can inform each other while you're building solutions. You can prototype things and pilot things based on deep technology, deep analytics, deep data with the creative at the same time. I'll give you an example of something that has always stuck with me. Um, it came from Lauren Michaels. Do you know um, the creator of SNL and the, the, the world famous producer? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I was lucky enough to talk to him once and um, uh, we were uh, – uh, it was, you know, I, it wasn't like we were hanging out. I'm not trying to name drop here. It was, you know, like at a, conf- at a conference or whatever. And, you know, he was talking and 
We got to ask questions, that kind of thing, right? So um, he was making mention that uh, sometimes people will call him, uh, call him up after a Saturday Night Live thing. And they say, hey, you know that, that Bill Hader sketch or whatever, you know, the second one? And, and they go, yeah, that really bombed. Did you, did you guys think that was funny when you wrote it? And he goes, well... When we obviously when we wrote it and rehearsed it all week, uh, yeah, we did. But when we went that night in that moment in that live experience, if you will, is it the Saturday grocery store or is it the Tuesday grocery store? In that moment, in that live experience, while the the thing was flowing, you know, one or two of the jokes, the lighting guy and the sound guy were a little late in the way they shot the reaction to one of the jokes. And then that kind of domino effect and flowed into the blocking. They kind of had to change the blocking in the middle of the sketch. And that made it uneasy and it wasn't flowing right. And this whole kind of physical comedy thing that we were planning on didn't really land. It didn't happen. But you know what? He said, if during the run-throughs, if we were able to recreate that live experience in that moment, and understand that blocking and understand the timing of the, the lighting or the way the camera shots should work a little bit better, I think it would have realized the vision that we had when we first wrote it. But because we're kind of bespoke and we did the sound later after the visual, after the thing, after the script, and that is the mixing, this merging of a data scientist talking about how personalization affects creative at the beginning or how a creative person says, listen, you should make the technology or the user experience of the app look like this because the creative content needs to live here and the emotional impact has to be right. I mean, how often you have a technology person sitting and worrying about the emotional impact of a button, right? So, I mean, these things coming together is really the new way that people are building experiences where the whole business is informing each other. And we land teams at clients that have these integrated approaches. And now we're seeing a lots, lots and lots of our clients are redefining what agency of experience is. Uh, what the agency of record is rather to agency of experience or an experience agency, even though they're usually putting up their creatives as, you know, a review for the agency. Now the new requirement is to be able to bring this integrated thinking to inform strategy, to inform um, the, the, the uh, experience in a whole new way. Right. So you're talking a lot about integration, but how has the integration of, um, you know, the creative agencies, particularly Droga5, which is the largest, gone at Accenture, given that there, I think there was a lot of skepticism when you first started acquiring agencies about, oh, you know, the consultants and the data scientists can't sit with the creatives and it's not going to work. And it looks like you've been trying to, you know, preserve the the front door, so to speak, of these brands while making them much more integrated. Um how would you say that's gone? Like I know Droga had some cuts a few years ago, but now they've had a good, you know, new business win uh, run. So how would you sort of grade that progress? Well, well I mean, of course, every time you acquire a company, um, and it's important to know we do a lot of acquisitions and we've had some experience and, you know, you can learn from mistakes, you learn from things you do well and, and, and by the time we got to Georgia, we really had a, a good method of being able to do two things. One is find a way to preserve the unique, distinct, and in, in, in my view, and maybe everyone's, you know, the high quality and great capabilities that they have. How do you keep that flowing? So uh, what you do, uh, the second thing is how do you find 
places to apply that to this integrated, you know, one plus one equals three, or, you know, insert your, your lame corporate analogy here on the, you know, the greater good, right? So um, when, if you look at the, the approach that we have, you would measure the success of uh, Droga, were they able to continue their rise and their growth just on the stuff they do? And the answer is an emphatic yes. You know, if you look at some of the, the great brands that they are now representing, like um, Facebook and, and Lululemon and, and, and others, or, you know, we've been uh, um, so um, lucky to be able to, um, I think I mentioned Harley before and, and others that they've been um, gaining uh, as new new people that are being inspired by their creative, no, no sign of slowing. Same thing for the awards, you know, ad age, um, agency of the decade. Um, I could go on. I won't go. But they're winning those awards. They're winning at Cannes. They're, they're, they're winning um, uh, new, um, exciting brand work. Um, so that shows that we have been able to preserve that at the same time. You have large-scale deals that they would never have been able to do without this combination of Droga Plus Accenture, which will have the experience uh, execution uh, along with um, the brand. So um, I I think by all counts, because those two things have happened, but we can say that we put the naysayers uh, to to rest (laughs) in a way um, and actually exceeded our expectations because – we would, there's so many different opportunities that we've gotten into that we wouldn't have been able to uh, see without Droga. And I would say that they would say the same thing. Now, one uh, thing of note, um, if you look at how we've done this, it's really about putting culture first. I know it's popular to say that and people are like, well, that sounds fluffy. What do you mean? Well, I mean this. If you look at some of the unique, most unique firms that we acquired, like let's say Fjord, they were the number one design firm. Um, and we acquired them maybe five, six years ago. I, now I don't have the exact date, maybe seven. So um, why am I bringing them up is that Fjord and Droga share something that some of the others don't. Most of our other acquisitions, the brands usually go away. The brand destination is Accenture Interactive. But when it's so distinct, and so powerful like Gadroga or Fjord, I mean, who's going to think that we that Accenture is as good at design as Fjord? That brand, it means credibility in that, in that particular discipline, right? So we say, well, all right, we'll keep those brands, even though they're integrated, even though they're one P&L, even though there's no competition, even though they're part of a bigger experience. But we'll, the culture part is where it really hits home. So as an example, when we acquired Fjord, whatever, years ago, they had, I think, six or seven agents, uh, studios globally. And those studios, you know, look like design studios. They had fit-for-purpose rooms with walls that move. They had, uh, you know, all the brick walls and the exposed ceilings and and um, and, uh, and co-creation rooms. And they had people soldering demos and make rooms, makeshift rooms. I mean, it's really very different, very different than a traditional Accenture office, if you will. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, though, of course, we'll maintain those. Remember the two things. Maintain what they have celebrate their distinction, and then try and scale it. So I figured, well, the firm eventually is going to say, well, we'll scale it, but we're going to have to scale it inside of the traditional Accenture world. But they didn't. Mm. So instead, today, they start off at six or seven. We have like 33 Fjord Studios globally, mm. now, and they all look the same. We follow their culture. 
We followed their vision for what it was because they're better at design than we were before. Now, you could say, well, big, we're the biggest consulting firm in the world. We know best. But we don't we, we just haven't done it that way. And we've done other things that are even more aggressive and very different than a holding company in that when you get um, different capabilities that might match. So it's easy when you have creative or design, which we didn't really have much of that in Accenture before we got those acquisitions. But what happens when you buy um, a firm that does e-commerce or content management? Of course, Accenture has all that, right? And at scale. But when we buy those firms, we look at the unique thing that they do. And if they're better at it than us, we, the firm, I'm so excited that Accenture does this. They will remain humble. Mm. And what we've done, and we've done this a couple of times, is we had one firm that we acquired a few years ago that was the number one e-commerce provider um, for you know, a particular technology platform. Or they were the number one content provider for like Adobe or something. I'm like, well, they're number one. We're not. So we took all of our content people and all of our commerce people and we moved them into them and followed that methodology. And then we scaled it that way. And in this, this power is, is, is a real way to show an acquisition that they can have influence. Their culture can drive the way that we work. And this is a very, very tangible way of showing differentiation, driving innovation in a real, real way. Um, and then we scale globally based on whatever works best. Um, so I'm really excited about that stuff uh, right. and, and as a way to keep the creative scale uh, going and more branding going. We're going to do a lot more in that space. Yeah. Um, does that mean more creative acquisitions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, w- the way we acquire, always have done this, um, you know, we either look for new capabilities, like the ones I said before, like design or brand. Um, they're not new anymore, but you know what's next, right? We'll we'll look for that, um, but also we'll just scale what we have, right? So like the Fjord example, you know, really how do we build that out? And that might mean acquiring other you know firms, and then we try and find a way to bring the best of what they all have together in a unified way. So what about media? I mean, that's one area where Accenture has stayed away from because of various reasons, including, you know, conflict of interest with media audits, as well as, you know, not wanting to get into sort of the the high volume, high scale, you know, media buying game that agencies are are in. But at the same time, media is a huge part of the experience, right? So how do you think about that? Well, just as you said it, um, media is a huge part of the experience. So um, much like creative and some of the other things we were talking about today, we are really helping our clients look at media very differently. Um, And I'm very excited about this because the more and more that we're talking to clients about insourcing uh, media and insourcing uh, ways to capture the data that comes from media gives a whole new outlook on how to um, accelerate the way that we can speak to consumers and and uh, and and really identify their intent in the moment, which we had talked about before. So, I would not say that Accenture is not uh, doing media. We are um, a, a good majority of what we do is uh, around online uh, media and programmatic and things like that. Um, but it is again one component of, of the overall. Uh, way that we build experiences is two parts to that. Um, From a strategic standpoint, we're looking at media spend and showing how, if you can get the experience to be extended from that first instance of media to be more 
useful, more relevant, more robust, and more, I guess, just helpful um, to driving commerce transactions or driving loyalty, et cetera. Um, this is a new way of using media as a trigger for other things. Now, if you look at what we were talking about earlier about some of the changes in the market, um, we've done extensive research and, and there's also outside research that can confirm this, but online purchases for products based on our research increased during the pandemic over 340%. So when you think about how you could drive transactions from media, you're not just talking about media anymore in a silo, or you're not talking about net promoter score. You're not talking about clicks. You're not talking about all the metrics that have been used to look at success in media in the past are, are very much just being rethought. And we're using this push to integrate it with commerce or integrate it, it with um, uh, other kinds of experiences or integrate it with loyalty and, and more of the liquid nature of how media um, plays into experience. That's uh, a big change. And that's how we view and how we apply media. And you're going to see us do more of that but not just media for the sake of media. Right. So not necessarily acquiring a media agency? Probably not. Um, <laughs> nothing's off the table, but what we might do is acquire a capability. Um, you know, uh, we've done some things like that before, like bid desks and other things that are related to programmatic, mm -hmm. only because we can integrate it into, say, one of our content production uh, studios um, or our offshore content digital production studios where you can get this personalization and get that commerce integration to happen. If you would go back to our Lauren Michaels example at the creation and the onset of the planning of what media to buy. Right. So, you know, there's been a debate in the industry about, you know, consultants versus agencies for a long time. And that, that seems to have died down a little bit, but you know, I feel like Accenture has always sort of taken the stance that, you know, we're not an agency, we're doing something different. You, um, at my last, at my last job, you had a fun conversation with Martin Sorrell about the difference between, um, Accenture and, and the holding companies. But recently Martin Sorrell has said, publicly that Accenture is S4 Capital, his new company's biggest competition. How would you respond to that? Uh, again, I, a lot of respect for Sir Martin, and it's wonderful that um, he uh, is uh, helping us validate and create this new category that we're calling the business of experience. Um, I, I, I'm, again, flattered that he... Uh, he sees uh, the, his vision to be so closely aligned with ours, especially someone that comes from, I guess, a lot of people could say he started the holding company vision as well. So he sees the evolution and the need for that. Um, I think that the types of experiences that we're talking about are um, just on the maturity curve, uh, I would say multiple years ahead of what uh, other companies, including um, his latest S4 is, are, are, are looking at um, real business transformation um, actually speaks to this uh, misnomer that people have been saying um, that you mentioned earlier about, well, consultants versus agency versus this versus that. You know, it's my contention and, and we've proven it uh, many times that if you're going to talk to a CEO and again, that's who we're talking to the, the days of uh, 
tried to have uh, helping a marketing or a sales team or something in a silo are, are, are long gone. Um, so when we're talking to a CEO about really driving business change, you cannot be credible unless you have serious consulting jobs like organizational design and um, centralized versus decentralized or um, operating models and workflow. And when you're going to talk about a commerce experience, well, you sure better understand inventory management and supply chain and engagement and um, med legal review for life sciences, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on the complexities to be really serious about launching campaigns that are uh, changing in the moment to drive different experiences that, that, I mean, think of the audacity to say, let's drive an experience to create new KPIs for your business. You should measure success differently. It sounds like a nice little placard. When you actually go do it and tell the, and, and, and convince the CEO to do it, you, you have to have more than, than what the old, whatever traditional agency has had. And it has to be more than data meets creative. It's really about a business change. And what we believe and are seeing that this is really now an experience renaissance. I mean, everything is up for reimagination. If you look at just a few examples out there in the space, um, some of the work that we've been doing with Disney, I mean, just just look at just Disney on a, Disney Plus on its own. They met their five-year goal, their five-year goal for streaming their new Plus service in eight months for adoption and, and subscription. Um, Best Buy, we were, we were working with them on re- you know, understanding the COVID world, you know, how do you get clean and safe shopping experience or, or, or you know, uh, you know, stand up cur- curbside, contactless pickup. Um, how do you get virtual consultations, virtual gift recommendations, all that kind of stuff. They were looking at 1400 stores. They were thought hmm, maybe six to eight months they could do it. Uh, they turned it around in 48 hours. Wow. 1400 stores because you can, when you have technology and analytics and operations and creative and content and, 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 and all coming together at the same time and the CEO is driving that, you can do some remarkable things. And because unfortunately the sadness and pain of COVID um, is here, but it, that I guess the silver lining is it drove, uh, it, it drove people to move quickly in those directions. They've been talking about doing that forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and then, and all of a sudden it, it could happen by necessity, right? Um, or other new things, like who thought Lululemon would, um, you know, buy Mirror and create a home fitness service that would be on fire like that? that that's not, it's a whole new way of looking at products and services mm. for, for, for a company. That kind of business transformation is way beyond the next campaign. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess, uh, we can let Sir Martin know that you don't see him as a competitor. Um, but I guess uh, we can, I think we can leave it there because um, we're out of time. But thank you so much, Glenn, for, for coming on the podcast and, and chatting with me about Accenture Interactive and, and all the cool stuff you guys are up to. It was great. Uh, it was absolutely my pleasure. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry, and we'll see you next time. 